Welcome, everybody. Hello, and uh, you're here in another episode of Connecting the Dots. And uh, specifically now, we're discussing the whole uh, area and uh, I would say sub-series of uh, managing the company and actually like handling the situation during the, the conflict, the war right now uh, for CEOs and founders and generally speaking with the company. Uh, today, we're hosting Dorin Baniel. Hi. Hi. Uh, Night Dragon, and we'll be discussing a subject that I got from uh, a lot of, uh, I would say, entrepreneurs and uh, in general, the companies that we've been discussing that with about the fundraising realm, okay? But again, from a, a, a prism that is a bit different, because right now we want to see how this whole situation is perceived from, from the US in general, but uh, I would say in a broader sense, by the world of the VCs and investors, and how we can also maybe mitigate a, a portion of the worries that they actually have from doing investments because it's like venture capital and eventually they they should be taking risk, but again, uh, thought of risk, right? Uh, but prior for us uh, to, to start the conversation, Doreen, please uh, present yourself. Yeah, so Demi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's great to, to be here and to speak on the issues uh, at hand. So I'm a principal and head of EMEA at Night Dragon. I joined Night Dragon earlier this year in April. Um, prior to that, I was in Glilot Capital, as most of these listeners probably know of the fund, uh, early stage VC in Israel. Uh, there I was uh, for five years managing, sorry? One of the most successful ones, if you look on yeah. the resume. <laughs> Yeah, so there I was uh, VP value creation, so working directly with the founders um, and building and managing the advisory board, amongst other things. Um, prior to that, different startups, uh, Microsoft for, for a while doing corporate access and things like that. So uh, Night Dragon is a global uh, venture capital firm. Uh, we're headquartered in San Francisco. Uh, we are investing in the security space in the growth stages. So we call it the CSSP market, stands for Cyber, National and Physical Security, Safety and Privacy. Uh, We're founded by Dave DeWalt, a very well-known and respected security executive for many, many years. Uh, he's a serial CEO. He was a CEO of companies like Documentum, which he sold to Dell EMC for $2 billion. Uh, McAfee, which he sold to Intel for $8 billion, uh, FireEye, and others. And he actually has a lot of experience uh, in the Israeli ecosystem, more than 25 years. Uh, so it made a lot of sense for us to, to join forces for Night Dragon to open up uh, an office here. And I'm you know, more than honored uh, to join such a strong group um, and happy to talk further about how American investors, how international investors and executives currently see what's happening here in Israel and where we think it might go and the implications and how we want to deal with it and give any sort of advice that I can to the sure. founders. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming again. And uh, I wanted to, to start from even trying to describe the actual challenge that was uh, introduced by many companies okay many founders co-founders and it's around the whole aspect of what happened until today meaning like not the current conflict which is i think something on top right now 
the, the whole down market that we right now live in, okay? So this was a situation in which everybody were pretty optimistic, I must say, uh, also that in uh, the fourth quarter also of 2023 and the first quarter of 2024, things will get better. Eventually in the ecosystem of investments and, and money flowing, that, that's one, okay? And of course, it has to come together with the whole aspect of sales, like literally achieving the goals of the company, et cetera, in the matter of commercials, sales, uh, even development, et cetera. And uh, I, I won't go, uh, you know, in particular to if it's like the early stage companies, early growth or something like that. Eventually, I just want to scope that of how it's perceived right now to invest in Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, the, the first initial challenge for companies that already have been in process of f- fundraising in general, or we're planning to start a fundraising round right now, and everybody are rattled right now. Because even like starting the first conversation, do the people have attention? Like meaning VCs that you speak with, because I, I, can, I can tell from my prism, from what I'm hearing from Israeli VCs, Nobody has attention for anything. And it's, it's fully understandable, by the way. I'm not complaining about that. But this is the, the reality. And right now, if you can share also how it's for you or maybe even your firm or other firms, the friends of yours that you might know, to start even like evaluating a company right now in Israel. Even if you did not have any prior relationship or maybe you did, but right now the risk factor has changed. Okay, so... Maybe I'll start with with what we were seeing prior to October 7th, just a very quick overview of the, you know, what we were seeing in the investment landscape and then how the events post October 7th have impacted it. Um, Okay, so we all know uh, what happened during COVID, the hype, the digitization, the new new security solutions and, you know, everything that was going on with the increase in valuations. Then after the the hype of 2021, everyone kind of came down to reality. We had to focus on unit economics, on revamping expenses such that you increase the runway. We were all, you know, waiting and seeing when the IPO market was going to open. We had some good indications of that uh, with some IPOs happening in the last few months. Um, Investments, we saw valuations coming back to to the regular pre-COVID levels um, and things were getting back to normal, right? We were all hoping that by the end of this year, we were going to see levels back to 2020. And But what we did see in, is levels returning back to 2019 in terms of investments and growth rounds and things like that. Uh, we had just last week, you know, the the mega round of Island happening. We had different M&As happening this year, uh, like Bionic, like Hermetic and other companies like that. So things were, were getting back to normal. But uh, post-October 7th, I think everyone was kind of, at least for the first week after, at a halt. We were, okay, figuring out what actually just happened, you know, I think in terms of investment deals, the conversations that were already going on, those didn't stop. And I'm talking from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we as a firm, you know, stand strong with Israel. We aren't going to stop evaluating a deal just because it's in Israel. And by the way, a, a very good portion of our deal flow pipeline 
contains Israeli companies that we are in conversations with. I think the week after and even the second week, you know, right now we're in the third week. So the week and the two weeks after, it was it was almost weird to to have business meetings. You know, it was uncomfortable. Everyone had everyone has someone that they know that was either murdered, kidnapped, or impacted by what's going on. So it was very strange to conduct business meetings um, with Israelis. However, I think that if anything, the impact will be in the more short term based on number of deals that are going to happen and that there's not going to be a long-term effect. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. It's still, you know, there's escalations happening. We don't know how how that will you know, unfold with other countries getting involved. Mm-hmm. But as investors, you know, me personally, I'm still in conversations with Israeli founders. I'm still very adamant about doing Israeli deals. And we as a fund are as well. Um, I've also spoken to a lot of different counterparts, you know, other investors from other funds that are both local and as well as global VCs, other American investors. And this is kind of the sentiment right now is that, yes, we as a VC have an obligation to our LPs to return to return money, right, to show results. Mm-hmm. So as a VC, we need to, to minimize our risk. And right now, you know, there is quite a significant risk factor to take into consideration here because of the quote-unquote existential crisis that Israel is facing right now. But I don't believe that it's going to impact the longer term. You know, investors right now, I think those that believe in Israel, and it should be everyone, it's our responsibility to stick with with Israel, to stick with the founders, to continue the conversations that we were having, to continue meet meeting new founders that want to have conversations, um, and, and just stick with it. I think maybe the conversations will be a little bit different where founders need to, you know, first and foremost, kind of address the elephant in the room, yeah. talk yeah. about business continuity, talk about your contingency plans, talk about, you know, how your company has been impacted, but how you're getting through it. Because Israelis, as you and I, and most people know, we're, we're the most resilient type of people. You know, we don't let this stop us from living our lives. If we're looking outside, outside my window, we, you and I are both in Tel Aviv, right? You're in, you're in Tel Aviv too? Uh, near, but right near. now, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's outside. You know, it, it's crazy because my, my colleagues in the U.S. are asking how it is. And I'm saying, if you go outside, it looks like a normal day. Yes, people are much more stressed and uh, there's more security everywhere and, and you know, soldiers. And that's great. That's good. Even my own personal neighborhood, um, we we hired like a neighborhood watch. Yeah. So I did that. But founders continue to, to push for forward deals. I spoke with a founder two days ago who just closed a deal of more than a million dollars. You know, maybe founders need to kind of reevaluate their end of year goals slightly and count for how many of their employees are now in reserves and also redistribute the workload. So if 100% of your R&D team is in Israel, which is the case for most of the Israeli companies, it's really important to 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 now say, okay, 
you know, this person is out, so we don't have as many people. We need to redelegate the work such that we're still able to, to support our existing customers and we're able to support a growing pipeline of customers. Maybe that means establishing smaller teams within R&D or, or within your team so that if you don't have a leader right now, you can still make decisions and still keep things moving forward with full transparency to the leaders. Yeah, That's so I, I can share also from, I won't say even sentiment, it's it's already actions being taken. Uh, I know of companies, uh, we kind of have a distributed team at Panerai. So basically we have offices also in New York, presence also in the UK, et cetera, and people also like spread across. So meaning the contingency already exists, but some some companies, like you mentioned, most of their R&D might have been here. Maybe the operational aspect of the product rather than actually developing new new capabilities. And I knew that that they flew a team as an example of key critical people, seven, I don't know, eight, mm -hmm. move their families to their other office, which should, I don't know, it might be even in, in London or maybe even like uh, Athens. Um, and uh, the contingency plan is actually like keeping them in case something escalates, right? Then the company still like runs its all, all of its operations uh, regularly without any disruption for the customer base. But again, it really depends where most of your customers are, right? So yeah. again, if, if I go on the seed stage A, it really depends on the type of business. Most of your customers might be local or you won't be a mission critical platform for, for some, right? So the problem is a bit different and even the support is a bit easier, but especially when you have global operations, meaning like customers spread all across the world, right? And also uh, maybe teams, support teams, it's easier. I know it's kind of funny to say it's easier because right now you can focus the the effort in, in a specific location, which is not too far from here. But again, you can still keep operational and eventually end up of the rest of the pipeline in the company, meaning if it's a sales pipeline, customer support or something like that, that still can remain in the specific location in which serves this type of population, meaning like uh, the U.S. customers or global customers. And uh, yeah. also from the people, people are pitching in. Even global companies with employees that are not Israeli or something like that, everybody are pitching in, going to conferences together and, uh, you know, like uh, switching the responsibilities between different teams, etc. This is already happening as part of the uh, business continuity and contingency plan. I think you, you, do, you raise a really good point, though, because this is the case for growth stage companies, companies that already have operations worldwide. Maybe 100% of their R&D is in Israel, but 70% of their go-to-market team is in the U.S. and Europe. So it's much easier to continue. But, you know, it, it, I think the risk here is is much greater for those earlier stage companies. And that, that you know, as a... Just as an Israeli, I'm worried for those earlier stage companies and, and what's going to happen with them. Because if you have 20 employees, 10 employees, it's much more difficult to um... transfer the, the whole mass. And again, it might be even transferring them, changing, I would say, the, the near roadmap of the three to six months going forward, right? Yeah. And saying, I won't develop anything. It's basically keeping the lights on of the whole operations around the company to actually achieve some of its goals at least. And this will be also like downscaling the goals. Not only how much am I selling because maybe you're not like literally selling, 
but rather than starting adoption of the of the product for functionality, service, etc., and the, of course, going forward, trying to understand how the landscape will be twelve months and eighteen months forward. And why am I saying that? Because eventually, if you're downscaling the goals and not achieving something to achieve the next round, which will happen because we're <laughs> focusing on venture-backed companies, right? Not bootstrap, uh, because most of them are are like that. Eventually, we will need to reassess the, the growth metrics, I would call that, even for earlier stage companies, to try to achieve these goals prior to the to the funding round when everything will be sorted out, right? That's another really good point, is I think global investors are going to set a higher bar for Israeli companies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's inevitable and unfortunate, but it is going to happen. And the companies that it's just like in COVID, right? The companies that managed to raise, that managed to succeed during a time of crisis like COVID and like now are, you know, it says it speaks volumes. Um, I do think that, you know, I, I got a lot of outreach from CISOs and executives in the US. Everyone is very, very supportive. They want to know what they can do to help. I'm sure your customers as well. Um, I think something really important to do because, you know, some CISOs, I haven't seen it firsthand, but I've heard that some have have said that they are now hesitant to close a deal with an earlier stage company because of what's happening. Um, And I think the way to kind of combat that is to just continue opening lines of communication to continue to somehow establish trust with the person on the other side of the computer, right? Yes, you're trying to to close a deal, but I'm always a really big believer, especially for those earlier stage companies that you need to have a relationship with the CISO. Even if it's the CISO of a Fortune 5 company, you need to know who this person is, establish trust, have, you know, continuous uh, uh, feedback loop and dialogue so that in a time of crisis like this, the trust is already there. So maybe... In general, there's a bit more hesitation, but that CISO knows you and trusts you. So that's kind of like some way to kind of combat a potential issue there. I I think also like the personal touch is really, really important. Like meaning if you're communicating, it's not via mass emails. It's not, uh, you know, like uh, texting or something like that. Go on a call, speak with a person, right? Something like that, that gives the, the the whole feeling of assurance, right? Because eventually if you speak to the people, people are pumped. They, they're not, okay, they're sad from, from, from one end, right? Uh, for all that has happened. But eventually everybody are super eager to continue on, okay? Even the ones that have, uh, I don't know, uh, or either like in reserve duty or one of their family members is in reserve duty or something like that. Everybody are striving also to to succeed, okay? Succeed running the business, succeed running the country in general and helping out. And I, I think this whole like, we we will prevail, eventually will end up of the resiliency aspect that you also like spoke about. And, and, and this can be shown also during a conversation, even from the conversations that I've had with either customers or like, you know, like future investors or people that I know from the US and other areas in the world, everybody are super supportive from one end and also at the understand, okay? I know it's kind of funny to say also as an example, somebody that, you know, was in Colombia and yeah. they had similar things back in the 90s, they understand, okay? 
and uh, also see eye to eye with some of the things that we're also facing right now. So, so for them, okay, it's a period of time that will pass. And eventually, I, I also believe from my end that this will pass and we will come to better days. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I resonate with a few things there. Some people understand, I will say, but some people don't. And I think one way to really help others understand is, especially the Americans, right, is to kind of related to 9-11 right it's it i don't know if you look at the numbers it's similar exactly also if you look at the numbers right we have 1400 that were murdered and this correlates to over 50,000 americans being murdered and we have two over 220 kidnapped this translates to over 8,000 americans kidnapped i think people don't understand some people still need help understanding that um, but another thing is like if you're talking to customers let's say you have a, a full pipeline of customers and maybe some of them you lost touch with over the last couple of weeks but others a lot of people are reaching out i think it's a great opportunity to to establish that relationship you know it's a traumatic period for for everyone and it's a good you know leeway into establishing trust very very early on even before you start talking about about your company um i do think that travel for israelis is going to be a little bit hindered in the coming you know month let's say um hiring you know if there was a global company that wanted to hire and expand in israel most likely that's going to be slowed down but um on the other side of that, we just need to continue, make sure the airlines stay open as much as possible. You know, if you have teams in the U.S., have them travel to customer meetings. Um, okay. I think, yeah, but there's another aspect here, which is the fact that, you know, there's tons and tons of different solutions and startups that can be established from everything that's been going on right now. I don't know if you saw... Izar Shai on Karkalist was talking about 1,400 startups in memory of the 1,400 that were killed. I love that. You know, there's the need for, especially for security and safety type of innovations right now is higher, greater than it's ever been. Whether we're talking about, you know, supply chain resilience, whether we're talking about the fight against misinformation, that's huge or attempted phishing attacks, you know, companies that have aided the government or are working with the government to try and locate the hostages. There's also the whole aspect of all of those um, people in the U.S. or everywhere, everywhere around the world, not just the U.S., that are kind of tearing down those kidnapped posters and that are in the protests with signs of, you know, let's clean the world of Jews and this anti-Semitism that is a huge kind of second war that now everyone is having to fight. It's not just Israel fighting our physical, psychological, and emotional war against Hamas. It's everyone worldwide now needing to fight against anti-Semitism. And when it touches on business, I mean, you have public companies that are measured on their DNI, their their diversity and inclusion efforts, right? That's that's huge. It's a huge trend right now. And what do you do when you're a CEO and you have employees that are in these protests? So, yeah, I mean, there's opportunities for for innovation around that. I don't know, use some facial recognition to identify who these people are and 
get rid of them. I don't, yeah, so, I don't know. Um, you mentioned these uh, initiatives as, as opportunities for companies, but seriously, all of the ones that you mentioned are already in place, like meaning people right. during this week or like two weeks, platforms from zero to hero, okay? And we're also involved uh, from Panarays and also helping out with a few of the initiatives in the world of security, consulting, and also like providing our product for free and everything. Again, to help the the joint cause of, uh, I would say, even defeating evil, okay? And I know it sounds dramatic, but it is. It's not dramatic. It's true. And, and, and all of these initiatives are being launched by industry experts. Like seriously, all the people that are on the day-to-day basis on the facial recognition process, the security, et cetera, and all the rescue stuff, all of these things happened, okay, with a, with a snap of the fingers because yep. people just united for a cause, okay, and they believed in a cause. And this is how strong this whole, I would say, nation is, okay, nation globally, meaning all of the people spread. That that's, I'm super proud of that. I, I can't hide it. Me too. I, I totally agree. I think is people know how uh, impactful the Israeli ecosystem is, the Israeli talent, the mentality that Israelis learn from the IDF and take it into their business. Uh, the former CEO of Thomson Reuters came out with an article the other day about how there were tons of different innovations that were being experimented on, but have in the last two weeks become operational. And these technologies and innovations are not going to turn into companies after the war is over. So I think it's super critical to really recognize the resilience of of the Israeli high-tech ecosystem to not give up as investors, to not give up as founders. If you're trying to establish a company, figure out how to kind of, you you know, I, I wanted to say prolong the process, right? But it's not really prolonging. It's just hang in there, even if the process will be prolonged. Um, I, agree. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Doreen, thank you very, very much for coming. Really, I treasure all of your thoughts and ideas. And I think the the audience and the entrepreneurs and also like high-level management in companies have benefited from, from that a lot. And uh, also keep on investing <laughs> in the ecosystem because I think it's important uh, bi-directional street. And uh, of course, thank you for oh. the, all the audience that actually joined and, and listened to us. And of course, you can, you can contact me, Doreen, via social media and any other channel that you would like. Uh, and especially if we can help in any manner we're here. And uh, pleasure speaking to you every time. Yeah, thanks so much, Demi. And and anyone who wants to reach out, feel free. Uh, maybe we'll put, put my email out there or something like that. I mean, uh, I, I think like in LinkedIn, Facebook, everything yeah. works and uh, we're pretty approachable. And of course, if you have any other ideas about uh, things that you'd like to hear about or people that you would like for us to speak with, uh, feel free to reach out also to me and also share the the webinar and the, the podcast itself or uh, even uh, uh, follow and keep on uh, receiving information. And uh, thank you very much, Doreen. Thanks so much, Demi.